And it's good to be together. And I want you to know that we have an amazing passage we're going to look at this morning. So you are going to want your Bible. Please pull out your Bible with me this morning. Open up to the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Ushers are coming now. You will want a Bible in your hands. When you get that Bible, open it up and turn almost to the end of your New Testament to the book of 1 Timothy That's where we're going to go, 1 Timothy. And I'm very excited. We're launching into a new series this morning. We're taking a break from Luke, which we've been in for almost a year. And we're going to come back to Luke in the fall. But today we're going to start something new for the summer. So if you are a guest or visitor, welcome. You picked a great day to join us because we're starting something new. And I am really excited about it. And here's what I need you to think about with me this morning in order to prepare your heart and your mind for what we're going to talk about this morning. Consider with me this sentence. A spiritual discipline is a God-ordained and God-empowered practice that will draw you deeper into Christ. Deeper into Christ, deeper into your relationship with Christ, deeper into your enjoyment of Christ. Does that sound good? It sounds good. Does that sound good? Hello, good morning. That was inspiring. Now I'm ready to preach. No. Spiritual disciplines. That's what we're going to talk about this summer. Spiritual disciplines. You say, what is a spiritual discipline? I just told you. It's a God-ordained, God-empowered practice that when you do it, when you practice it, it draws you somewhere, somewhere specific, somewhere that I'm pretty sure you want to go deep into Christ. It's kind of a big sentence, and so I put it up on the screen this morning because I want you to see it, and I want you to think about that. Even if you are new to church, and you say, I'm not sure I know much about Christianity at all. Actually, this is perfect for you. You're going to get an inside window into what we care about as Christians. And so I'm so glad you're here. We want to learn about these things called spiritual disciplines. And what I want you to see this morning, what I'm going to preach this morning is these come from the heart of God. Spiritual disciplines are God-ordained. He chose them, he designed them, and he gave them to his people, and he uniquely empowered them. He infused them with his energy. Why? So that as we practice them, we'll go deep. We'll go deep. The year in my life that I grew the most in my relationship with Jesus was the year that I studied the spiritual disciplines. And what was so important about that year was that I didn't just study them. And I'm going to preach this this morning too. It's not just about learning about them. We don't need more head knowledge. What we need is we need to practice them. They're practices. And the year that I did that was my very first year in ministry. It was 1995, the fall of 1995. I was a young whippersnapper, uh, fresh out of college. I had just gotten married. Kathy and I had been married for one month. And we moved to Eugene, Oregon, and I got started in ministry. And I was as green as you can be in the ministry. And I got hooked up with uh, a small little group of other folks who were new to ministry. And we were being mentored by 
a Young Life staff person. Her name was Kathy Malcolm. She was really wise, deeply spiritual woman. And on our first meeting together, she said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through a book by a guy named Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of that book. Okay, some of you. This book is older now. It was written in the 1970s. Um, but uh, it's, it's sort of like the iconic book on the spiritual disciplines. And we set out for a year to study the disciplines. And I'll never forget reading the opening paragraph of that book. I'm going to read it for you this morning. This is what captured me. Here's how Richard Foster starts the book. He says, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or a greater number of gifted people, but for deep people, deep people. Isn't that great? Man, when I read that, I was like, I am in. Because I knew he wrote this in 1978. I read this in 1995. And here we are in 2019. And is that statement, could that statement be more true today? We don't need more intelligent people in our world. We don't need more gifted people. We need deep people. People who are so plugged into Christ. And they've been drawn there by what? By something called spiritual disciplines. You know what happened to me? I tried them for a year. I didn't just learn about them. We studied them. We, I learned about things I'd never even thought of doing. I read a chapter on fasting. And I thought, it has never dawned on me in 22 years to abstain from eating. That's like asking a fish to not be in water, you know? And I tried it. And you know what? It was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was also the most transformative thing I've ever done. I grew like a weed. I tried a discipline called silence. Richard Foster writes a chapter on silence where he says, what if you took a day or a half of a day and as a spiritual discipline, you, you didn't talk? For a day, what would that be like? What would you learn about your heart, about how you use words? I learned so much. I grew. I started the practice of meditation, and it was really transformative. So amazing. And what happened in my life is God drew me deeper, and I still have a long way to go. I'm going to talk about it at the end. But here's what I'm, I'm asking from you this morning. How does it sound to go on a journey this summer of deeper, deeper enjoyment of Jesus. Does that sound good to you? Does that sound good? That's what we're going to talk about this summer. We're calling our series Seeking God, okay? Seeking God, getting to the heart of the spiritual disciplines. And the genesis of this series actually goes back to January when we preached three sermons on spiritual disciplines. Many of you remember this we preached a sermon on fasting. Many of you were here. Then we preached a sermon on Sabbath, and then we preached a sermon on prayer. And when we did that series, I learned a couple of things. The first thing that happened was I got inundated with emails from you, which, by the way, I love that. When you send emails, unless it's hate mail, send those to Pastor Eric. But if it's encouraging stuff, send those to me. But anyway, you got, I got all these emails, and, they, and people were saying, oh my gosh, I, tell us more. Teach us about this. People were asking for specific disciplines. So I realized, okay, I've hit a nerve. 
And that was confirmed this morning at the nine. I definitely hit a nerve. And I think the spirit's gonna hit a nerve today too. But here's the second thing that happened. I realized that I assumed something back in January that I should not have assumed. And what I assumed was that everyone understands what we're talking about here. But the reality is I know that many of you, you're even sitting there going, what are spiritual disciplines? What are we talking about? Help me, pastor, break this down for me. And so what I want to do this morning is I'm going to come back in now and I'm going to backfill. And I'm going to lay down for you a foundation for your life. It'll be a foundation for this series, but it's really going to be a foundation for your spiritual life because a spiritual discipline is a God-ordained and God-empowered practice. He gave them to us because he wanted us to practice them. And so if you love Jesus, and I know you do, you wouldn't want to neglect those. And so we're going to go to a passage in 1 Timothy that there's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you'll start to turn there now, where Paul sort of explains what it is we're talking about. Turn there with me, 1 Timothy chapter 4. The verse we're going to focus on is verse 7, but I want to read to you today the verses that are around verse 7. So I'll pick up in verse 6. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a young pastor in a town called Ephesus. He said, if you put these things before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with the reverent, silly myths, rather, and here's a sentence I want you to think about, rather, train yourself for godliness. If you have a pencil or a pen, you can just underline that phrase. Paul says, there's stuff I want you to not focus on, irreverent myths and other things. Here's what I want you to do, Timothy. Timothy's a pastor. I want you to train yourself. For what? For godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, which is Paul's way of saying, underline what I just said, it's really important. This saying is trustworthy. Pay attention to what I just said. What did Paul just say? He said, your spiritual health, your godliness, which I'm gonna define in just a minute, that is vastly more significant than your bodily health because it's eternal. And so to the degree that you would focus on bodily health, which you should, that's biblical. But think about how we get that flipped upside down, don't we, (laughs) in our culture. And I'm going to tell you about Ephesian culture in a minute. Paul says, let me tell you something, Timothy. Your bodily health is so significant. What should you do? Train yourself for godliness. It's such an expressive phrase. That word train in the Greek, it's the Greek word gumnazo. And literally the most basic meaning, do you see the word there? What word do you see in that? Gymnasium, right? This word is a sweaty word, all right? You're in the gym, okay? The Greeks, that word, the the literal meaning of that word means to train naked. 
Hello. To train naked. Because the Greeks, they, they, they didn't want to be inhibited by too much clothing when they were exercising or training for an athletic competition. So often they would train and sometimes they would even compete in very, very little clothing. And Paul is being brilliant here. Paul knows I'm writing to a culture that worships athletics. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> this culture, the, the, the Ephesian culture, they worshiped the games, they worshiped exercise, they worshiped the human body. They devoted countless amounts of time and energy training athletes, raising them up, exercising them, workouts. Paul says, take that concept, take that word, take it out of the arena of the, the field or the sporting event. And now think about it in the context of your spiritual life. To train, to exercise, to sweat, to work, to be disciplined. Paul says, this is a worthy goal. I've been following the, the women's soccer team, the U.S. national team. I know. I know that they won today, by the way. I don't know if you know that. I found out because someone told me I was recording the game, but I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm not bitter. But anyway, I'm bitter. They're amazing. They, they, are, they are phenomenal athletes. I've watched their games and I've been blown away by their skill and by their athleticism. And I was watching the game recently where they demolished England. And I thought, you know, there's only a handful of people on the planet who can do what these women are doing on the soccer field. They are so gifted. In fact, when you watch them, they make it look so easy, right? They're doing things. And you could be tempted to think when you watch it on a screen, like, that looks kind of easy. I can do that, you know, but we can't do that, all right? That did not come easily for them. They trained, right? I think of Olympic swimmers in the pool, the way they glide across the water. That's not how I look when I'm swimming, all right? I look like a man surviving for life itself, okay? But, you know, how does a swimmer get there? Through intense training, discipline, exercises. Paul says, great, take all of that and bring it down. And now what I want to think about is your personal depth in Christ. Your godliness. He says, train yourself for what? For godliness. Now here's the problem. That word, godliness, probably is going right over your head. Paul, Timothy, when he heard that word, Timothy heard something that sadly, I don't know that we hear anymore in our culture. You know, we hear godliness and we sort of hear this really pious word, maybe someone who's self-righteous or someone who's hyper-spiritual or someone who's Amish or I don't know, something. But Timothy heard, what Timothy heard was he heard something that he desperately wanted. To be called godly in Timothy's culture was the highest compliment you could ever receive someone said, oh, Timothy is a very godly person, they would be like, oh my gosh, that's what I want. I crave that. And so let me give you a definition of godliness. Please write this down. Take this with you. It's so simple, but it will help you so much. At its most basic level, godliness simply means becoming like Jesus. That's what it means. 
To become godly is to become like Christ. To be drawn deeper into Christ. It goes back to my definition. A spiritual discipline is a practice, and when you do it, it draws you into Christ. What happens when you get drawn into Christ and you enjoy Christ? You know what happens? You begin to look like Christ. You begin to talk like Christ. You're so connected to Jesus that you think like him and you feel what he feels and you care about the things that he cares about. Paul says to Timothy, the word that we use to describe that kind of person is the word godly. Man, I hear that and I'm like, I want that so much in my life. Paul says, great. God has blessed his people with some practices. We didn't invent these. These are not ideas we came up with. The church has studied the scriptures and over the years they've understood there are these practices that God has given us. And we can't just learn about them. So this summer, we're not just going to fill our heads with more knowledge, all right? This series is going to be deeply practical. Here's what's going to happen. Every Sunday, starting next Sunday when you come back, a pastor will come up here. We'll talk about one spiritual discipline from the Bible. We'll explain it biblically. We'll unpack it. And then we're going to get very practical. We're going to tell you how to do it. Best practices so that you don't just learn more information, but you actually begin to change your habits. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? And this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay for you a foundation. And in order to do that, I need to, I need to give you some bumpers this morning, some boundaries to stay inside of. And I'm going to put these on the screen and ask you to write them down because you'll want them with you throughout this series. I'm going to give you four observations, and these will go fast, and then I'm going to give you three suggestions, all right? Seven total things, but it'll go pretty quick here. Four observations about the spiritual disciplines and three suggestions for you personally. Observation number one, take it with you. It goes like this. Jesus practiced spiritual disciplines. Jesus did this. You think, well, that's obvious. Hold on. Stop. That should not in any way be obvious. It should not be obvious why Jesus would practice spiritual disciplines. Because the question you should be asking is, wait a minute. Why would Jesus need to practice spiritual disciplines? Why would Jesus need to train himself for godliness? Hmm. But we know that he did. We've studied Luke. We've seen over and over again, what did we see Jesus doing? Praying. Remember this? He would pray all night. He would go out into the wilderness. He would pray. He would pray in the morning. Every time he was about to make a critical decision, Jesus would pray. He was practicing spiritual disciplines. Jesus studied the Bible. He meditated on the Bible. He memorized God's word. Jesus spent time in solitude. He was practicing spiritual disciplines. Amazing. Why would Jesus do this? Here's the answer. It's because Jesus did not just come to die. He came to live. All right? He came to live. 
Yes, he came to die. He came to die a death for us, a perfect death. But he also came to live for us, a perfect life, a model life, a life that I can study. I can study the life of Christ, which we've been doing in Luke, and I can notice what he does, and then I can imitate him. The reason why I want you to begin practicing spiritual disciplines is not because we're asking you to do it. The reason I want you to do it is because your leader did it, right? Isn't that great? You should practice disciplines because Jesus practiced disciplines. And I don't know about you, but we want to be like Jesus. Amen? So that's an observation. Here's a second observation. This is important. It has to do with the word discipline. Discipline is not the enemy of grace, okay? It's not the enemy of grace. When we hear the word discipline, sometimes evangelicals, Protestants, rightly so, we hear that word and it makes us nervous because in the past, people have turned disciplines and they've turned religious practices into legalistic stuff. And it's happened for sure. In fact, human beings, if anything can be turned into legalism, humans will find a way to do it. All right. So we're right to be worried about that, but that doesn't mean we should throw out spiritual disciplines because spiritual disciplines are not the enemy of grace, just the opposite. What I'm trying to tell you is spiritual disciplines are a gift from God. They are grace. We wouldn't have them had God not said, I'm going to give my people some really precious practices that they can lean into. And when they do, their lives will be transformed. That helpful? Okay, here's a book I'm going to recommend, and I'm going to read a paragraph. If you're looking for something to read this summer, pick up a book called Habits of Grace by David Mathis. This will be on the webpage too. It'll go out on our Instagram account. And otherwise, we'll, and we'll, so we'll, I'll share with you the title. Great little book, very profound. He calls spiritual disciplines habits of grace. Think about that for a minute. Habits that are a part of your life, and they are like streams or like channels of grace. Something that you practice, and as you practice it, you step into a flow of God's energy, his grace. Whoa, what a concept. Here's what he said. I like this quote. It'll be on the screen. I can flip a switch, but I don't provide the electricity. I can turn on a faucet, but I don't make the water flow. There will be no light and there will be no liquid without someone else providing it. And so it is for the Christian with the ongoing grace of God. His grace is essential for our spiritual lives, but we don't control the supply. We can't make the favor of God flow, but he has given us circuits to connect and pipes to open expectantly. These are paths along which he has promised his favor. Isn't that interesting? There are these paths, these channels, these streams... Jonathan Edwards, who was probably one of the greatest minds in the Christian life, he, 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 he called the disciplines means of grace. He described them as these streams where when you step out into the middle of the stream, all of the flow of God's power and grace is there. And then God invites the Christian, he says, 
Why, if you knew that, why wouldn't you get right out into the middle of it and be there, right? Reminds me, every year I go away for solitude and I, I've gone to this place on the Little North Fork River, which is it's this beautiful spot. And there's this one place on the river, and it's a little bit of a secret place. In fact, I'm never going to tell you where it is. But anyway, I go there, and it's a place out in the middle of the river where uh, there's a rapid that has carved out the rock into almost what looks like a, 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 a bathtub. It's really interesting. And you can walk out, and you can sit down in the river, and, let, and the flood of the river comes over you. Have you ever noticed that? If, you're, if you walk to a river, when you're at the edge, the flow is really slow and it's shallow. And then the deeper you walk out, the water gets deeper and the power of the flow of the water gets stronger. And there's this spot where I will go out there and I'll sit down and I can feel that energy. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever done this? You're like, Brother, you are strange. But anyway, stay with me. You sit down and you feel the force of the water. And God is saying, this is a spiritual discipline. It's something you practice. And when you practice it, you set yourself right in the heart of God's energy, his grace. And then spiritual things begin to happen. You begin to change. So grace and discipline are not at odds. They're, they're, grace is underneath the disciplines. It's not as if you're trying to take from God something he's not wanting to give you. You're receiving from God something he's already promised. So important. Okay, but it leads me to observation number three. This one is also important. Here's how I wrote it. The biblical disciplines are uniquely charged with energy from God. So Jesus practiced disciplines. They're not, discipline is not the enemy of grace. But there's one, there's, this you need to understand. They're, they're biblical disciplines that are uniquely charged. And what I'm, what I'm after here is, what I'm, I'm saying, there, there are certain practices that are biblical, and those practices are unique. And the reason why that matters is that I've talked to lots of people who say, well, well, what about other things that I like to do? Will those have the same impact in my life as memorizing scripture or fasting? Like what if I'm into gardening, right? Or nature walks, or hot yoga, or whatever it is, right? You say, could those things have the same impact? And here's my answer, no, they won't. You can go on nature walks for the rest of your life, and it won't have any impact on your relationship with Jesus unless you're meditating on Scripture. Amen? Does that make sense? You would have to be, going on a nature walk is great if, if you're thinking about God's Word. God's Word is coming into your heart. There's a difference between being outside and, and gardening and deciding, I'm going to try something I've never done before. I'm going to try fasting. You will change at a different rate. And so these practices are unique, and Christians over the years have come up with a list. So think about the following 
spiritual disciplines. Here's what we'll focus on. We won't cover all of these, but here's a list of some. So Bible intake, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible, prayer, worship, fasting, meditation, solitude, silence, evangelism, stewardship, service. Those are unique. You start practicing some of those, you're going to get drawn really deep into Christ in an amazing way. Why? Because God specifically picked those to bless his church. Okay? So there's the first three. Here's observation number four, and, and then we're almost done. Here's how I wrote it. The spiritual disciplines can help uncover my true priorities. Here's what I mean by that. I've met people who are crazy disciplined. Some of you are the most disciplined people in the world. I knew a young man when I was in Eugene. He was so disciplined. He had set a goal for himself. He said, he, he met with me and he said, I'm, I'm going to be a drug enforcement officer, DEA, which is one of the most intense jobs you can get. And he knew I'm going to have to be so disciplined. This guy was the most disciplined guy I've ever met. He was asleep at 8.30 every single night. He was awake at 4.30. He was working out. He was eating, you know, in a disciplined way. But then I would meet with him and I would say, how's it going praying? He's like, oh, I, I'm so undisciplined. I don't pray. How about you read your Bible? No, I just, I can't get disciplined. I'm like, you can get disciplined, right? So here's the point. Spiritual disciplines will reveal my priorities. If I care about something, I will always go after it. If I care about godliness, I'll go after it, right? And this is what I want to suggest to you this morning. Now, I know because people came up to me after the nine. They were like, I knew I need this sermon. I need this commitment in my life. This has been an area of neglect. This morning, I'll just be honest with you. This morning when I came in to pray, I was in my office, and the Lord said to me, Adam, you're not ready to preach this sermon because you have not made a commitment to me that you need this in your life. God said, I'm asking you, Adam, to go back to some things that have been neglected in your life and, and begin practicing them again. So I'm, I'm making that commitment to you as well. Amen? And I'm asking you to join me. And here's what you're going to need to do. Three suggestions. Take these with you. Keep them with you. These are for our protection as a church. Suggestion one is this. Very simple. Don't overthink this. Just start. Just get started. You're going to learn about stuff that's going to be foreign to you, and you're going to want to overthink it. <laughs> Don't do that. Just start trying. I know this because after I preached the fasting sermon, people were like, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. And then I thought about it, and then I didn't do anything. I didn't even try fasting once. Okay? Don't do that. In fact, you need to go back and listen to that sermon because I know a lot of you, when you heard it, you were like, I, I want to try this, and then you never did. It's on the webpage. So don't overthink this. We're going to talk about meditation. Don't overthink it. We're just going to have you try it. We're going to talk about solitude. Don't overthink it. Just start practicing, okay? Suggestion number two. As you practice disciplines in your life, remember 
to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is this, enjoying Jesus. Enjoy Jesus. If you're not enjoying Jesus, you're not in the flow. That's the point. I like the way Paul said it in Philippians. He said, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I love that verse. Paul was like, there's so much stuff the world has to offer. All of it is a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And so keep the main thing the main thing. This is about you going deep in Christ. And then here's suggestion number three. So simple, so important. Will you promise me this summer you will preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself, all right? Make sure that as you're practicing and you're, and you're doing di- spiritual disciplines, you're mediating the gospel back to yourself. You say, wait a minute, the gospel's for unbelievers. No, it's not. The gospel is for you. It is for unbelievers, but it's also for you. I like to say the very first person I need to evangelize every morning is myself, <laughs> is me. I need gospel truth. Adam, you've been saved by grace. God loves you. You're not earning anything. God's forgiven your sins. Shame does not have power over your life. You're created in God's image. Jesus died for your sins. Preach the gospel to yourself every time you open your Bible or sit to pray or you decide to meditate or you decide to fast. Let gospel truth and gospel grace enter your heart. River West, here's the thing. I need two things from you this summer. I need you to pray for our church. And I need you this morning before you leave to make a commitment. I'm going to try this this summer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find one. I'm going to find a discipline. I had a young man. He came up after the nine. And he was like, oh, man, I was so overwhelmed because I looked at the list and I realized I'm not doing any of these things. What should I start with, pastor? And I was like, just pick the one that is feels like the easiest point of entry or pick the one that feels the most neglected in your life and just give it a try. Give it a try. We pray with me. Let's pray. Lord, it's so good to be your people because you've given us your word. You've given us your son Jesus, his perfect life, his sacrificial death. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've changed our hearts by grace. And you've also given us these practices. And they're so beautiful and they're so powerful and we want to learn and we want to grow. We want to be a people who are going deeper, Lord. Not just smart people, there's lots of those. Not just gifted people, there's lots of those. But people who are deep. Not deep in ourselves, but deep in Christ. That's our desire, Jesus. Thank you. So would you bless us this summer, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen.